0: Presentation Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved. Eric Marchin,
1: Matt, we're back talking about the MCU phase five. We're kicking it off in style. What could go wrong? I put on the shirt.
0: God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> Eric's wearing the Martin Scorsese Marvel shirt for audio listeners. Uh, yeah, Eric, it's time to enter the quantum realm as we are reviewing spoiler free uh, Peyton Reed's Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Ah, uh, the third film in the trilogy from Peyton Reed of Ant-Man, and I'm ready to say it. I'm just gonna kick it off right off the bat. Thank you for joining <laughs> us, everyone. I think the Ant-Man trilogy is the worst trilogy in the MCU. Thank you. Goodbye. So, <laughs> I, 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 I just Eric, you know, Phase Four. We're like okay little bit of a rough start there's some gems in there we love spider-man no way home we like uh black panther wakanda forever i mean they did the best job they they could with that um maybe not it wasn't perfect but still enjoyable you know thor love and thunder i know you didn't really love it but i'm like okay it was fine like i don't know i i I could do without it but like yeah like there's some things in there yeah like there's some good stuff on the tv side of things but a little bit of a rocky you know after Endgame, it was like okay how are we going to continue this and we you know, revealed that it's going to be this multiverse saga. Um, Wait, you said Rocky. uh,
1: Creed 3. Jonathan (laughs) Majors. Full Um, circle.
0: So yeah, you know, phase four, we're like, okay, but phase five, you know, we got this new big, huge villain, Kang the Conqueror, you know, Jonathan Majors appeared as uh, he who remains, which is a variant of Kang at the end of Loki. Um, And he's going to be the next big bad, like Thanos, he's going to be set up into this movie. So you're like, all right, that's cool. I've never vibed with the Ant-Man movies that much. I still enjoyed them. I love Paul Rudd. There are some great laughs in those movies. I think just from the Paul Rudd-isms of you of know, Scott Lang, I, I, I do like the character, but I kind of like him more when he's in the an ensemble and, and featured in either Civil War or the Avengers movies or something like that. Um, I just don't know if the character can carry a, a movie because both Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp, I'm kind of just mid on. They're lower on my rankings. I'm kind of like, they're fine. If I'm going through a rewatch, they might be the ones where I go, do I really want to watch? these right now i don't know and like um and that's kind of just how i felt but going into quantum mania i'm like all right this is gonna be completely different we're setting up kang uh it looks cool from some of the trailers yes it kind of looks like spy kids yes it kind of looks like you know uh, uh the star wars prequels and some you know dodgy cg uh you know uh sets and things like that but you know what could go wrong um and i i'm having conflicting and confusing opinions on this movie because like ultimately uh i do i do not think i like it um i i also don't think i hate it um as i was watching this thing i'm just going right into it we have other shows i'll plug at the end everyone if this is the first time that you're listening to us let the hog Um, fly and you know i'm a huge mcu guy but i've said this in the in the past during phase four that i'm starting to get Avengers Age of Ultron vibes and how I felt around the time of Avengers Age of Ultron was like, I still like this, but I don't know if I care <laughs> and like or I care as much. And they needed to do something to win me over. Ultimately, by the time we got to Endgame, I was all in. Kevin Feige and the team won me back over. They started to put out some really good, interesting stuff, started hiring interesting filmmakers, and really built that kind of, you know, big climax in Endgame that I really gave a shit about. Um, but as they're starting this multiverse saga, I'm just like, I'm finding myself enjoying a lot of them but as just popcorn kind of fluff entertainment and Ant-Man and the Wasp like even something like Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness or um, something like that like at least had it was like interesting or weird even though I didn't love all of it whereas like the choices were yeah, you know, I think I like Wando way more than I even like Kang in this. But I, and I like some of the weirdness multiverse stuff more than I like the quantum realm stuff in this. So like, even if a movie wasn't great or perfect, or the Sam Raminess of 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 that movie, I like more than the Peyton Readness of any of these movies. <laughs> How uh, dare you bring uh, it on? <laughs> um, so I'm just really kind of conflicted because as I was watching this movie, I didn't hate watching it. I was sitting there and I go, okay, you know, very different from the last two Ant-Man movies. And for me, who did not care about the last two Ant-Man movies, that's kind of a positive. I go, you know what? This feels more Star Wars-y or, you know, Guardians or Thor Ragnarok or those cosmic sides of, of the MCU. Yes, it doesn't look great. It's all CG sets. Sometimes it looks decent. Sometimes it doesn't or a lot of the times it doesn't because you can just tell that everyone's on a sound sound stage and either the volume or green screen or blue screen. Um, so I'm sitting there and I go, you know what? I don't hate this, but the movie drops you right into it. There's like, you know, 10 minutes in San Francisco. Everyone gets sucked into the quantum realm, uh, including, you know, Cassie Lang, who is now older, who has kind of a fractured relationship with her father because of the time he missed when he was in the quantum realm in in Endgame and stuff for the few moments, the five years that passed. Um, and then it just drops you in and fucking goes and it doesn't give you any time to kind of sit with the characters it splits characters up it introduces new characters some of the creature designs i really like some of the comedy i really like from the new characters uh some of the comedy is ill-timed and doesn't work at all and the movie just goes 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 and never gives you a moment to kind of sit and one understand kind of what's happening but then when you do understand what's happening you're kind of going that's it huh and then you're like really that's those are the stakes in this movie you're like okay and then you kind of just become disinterested even if you don't mind what you're watching like it is just this kind of like blender of colors and characters and and action and comedy that's happening and at one moment you laugh at something you're like oh i'm kind of enjoying this Oh, that character's weird i kind of like that oh they've went a little two step four steps too far with that bit they could have ended that earlier and then like that just happens over and over and over again you're like is this a serious movie or is this a comedy and you're like this the ant-man paul Ruddiness doesn't necessarily work throughout this movie because of what's happening and then on top of that you're introducing this character who we've seen before and we're supposed to be fucking terrified of and then you don't really do a great job of being terrified of the guy throughout the whole thing and then you go "Ooh, they're setting this guy up as the new thanos and i feel like thanos right from the go you're like oh this guy's intimidating and he's gonna fuck everyone up and i For with Kang, maybe that's not necessarily what they're going for, and and the all the cards haven't been revealed. But Jonathan Majors, I think, is really good. I I do like him as Kang in this movie. I I know, Eric, you'll go into that. You think it's a little bit disjointed, but like I am still worried about the future uh, of that character being the big bad. I think he does a decent enough job, much like Christian Bale in, in Love and Thunder, where it's like a good actor. As in a good role in and in a good villain but almost doesn't give him enough to do where what I mean by the movie just goes 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 and it, it breaks up the characters and just doesn't really give you time to kind of sit with anyone that includes Kang where you get a little bit of his backstory with Janet and things like that but um, I just dur- during her time in the quantum realm but like I don't know, man, I was all over the place watching this movie. I, like one moment I'm like, Oh, I'm kind of enjoying this. At another moment I go, Oh, I hate this. And like, I went back and forth on that. And then ultimately I really did not like the last act of the movie. Um, minus, uh, an epilogue. Um, I didn't like the climax. I didn't like how things were, you know, kind of f- finished where they finished, how they finished um, the plot threads that, you know, they list throughout the movie. These new characters that they introduce. I just felt like I did not give a shit about any of them where you have them coming back. I go, who even is this person? I'm like, did we re- do we care about this person? I'm like, I don't. And like, I just I, I don't care about the the people living in the quantum realm because you just yes, Kang conquered it. And he's, you know, a, a horrible you know, dude to all these people, but other than that, it's so surface level, so thin that i I just found the movie just completely messy and all over the place to the point where you know I probably sound very negative on it, but I'm more just kind of tepid on the whole thing. Um, and more just disappointed. You know, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed, like a, <laughs> a, like a parent would say. Where, you know, as a fan of the MCU and kind of leading into this multiverse saga and wanting Kang to be that intimidating big thing, at the end of it, I just go, oh, it's another Ant-Man movie, but really feels like just a prologue to Kang Dynasty, the next uh, you know Avengers movie, which we all kind of thought that would be part of it when you're introducing Kang in this movie. Um, but I don't know, man. I was just disappointed, and i I found you know some of the action to be okay, like I mentioned the colorful nature and the weird kind of characters that they introduced, like I like how wacky it got at times, but um, again, like i it never gives you a second to breathe, and I think that's a bad thing in this case, You know, it's just over two hours uh it throws so much at you, even though while still being very thin. Um, and it just goes, 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 goes. And I found myself just at the end being apathetic to the whole thing. So anyways, there's my 10 minute rant on quantum mania.
1: Eric, you go. Matt, I feel basically the same way you do, except I'm more negative overall. I think that the, you know, the, the, the quantum realm as a landscape or a backdrop to, you know, this adventure is one of the ugliest looking, um, sort of cgi um, you know, hellscapes I've seen. It's basically <laughs> a storage unit for, you know, Star Wars and Marvel, you know, rejects characters that kind of look like you've seen them before and other, you know, blockbuster properties, um, but have been kind of relegated to uh, this space. It doesn't feel like this world that Peyton Reed spent three and a half years developing really is its own thing and that's the problem with the ant man movies in general they don't have their own identity i mean you go back to the first one which was almost you know 10 years ago in in, in 2015 that movie was kind of always going to be plagued by the what if of it all, right? Like the, the what if of, Oh, this was going to be an Edgar Wright movie. And, you know, even though Wright still got a screenplay credit alongside, you know, Paul Rudd and, and Adam McKay, who Adam was brought McKay, in to, you yeah. know, a rewrite, you know, you're all, you're watching the film and thinking like, Oh, some of these, you know, flashbacks and, and sort of um, whip pans and things like that. It feels like, okay, Peyton Reed's basically trying to, <clears throat> pardon me. I'm still recovering a little bit from, uh, my uh, COVID there, but um, part of it does feel like, okay, he's just, you know, taking, you know, Edgar Wright's style and applying that to the film, but you watch it as well. And you think to yourself, okay, well, at least the first two movies took place in the real world. So you can have some fun with the set pieces in terms of, you know, the size and the scale of things and shrinking a character down or blowing them up to a, you know, a, 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 a greater height and sort of comparing that to, you know, the, the, the world of, of, you know, which this character inhabits, which is San Francisco. So that kind of, I think adds a little bit more fun to the mix, but you're watching this movie and you're thinking to yourself, it's so unbelievably frustrating because the Michelle Pfeiffer character, Janet Van Dyne, you know, has been in, The quantum realm previously for 30 years and she has these secrets that she's never told her family but the way that she you know eventually you know delivers this exposition of of what is going on it's it's you know it's it's basically like pulling teeth and you're like okay well i understand that maybe there are some trauma there but There's another part of you where it's like, people don't act this way. People don't behave this way, especially when it's with their family. You know, eventually you're going to have to talk to somebody. And when you're put into a dangerous situation, that's when you begin to say, like, okay, this is what's kind of going on. And even then, Janet kind of keeps everything, you know, closed off and withdrawn. And and, and you just kind of feel that, okay, this character is just becoming more and more frustrating as, you know, she's not... The she's not telling of you of
0: disbelief there it yeah. is kind of, you know, especially when she knows what happened with Thanos and everything there. And if she had this something she could warn them about that's in the quantum realm, you'd think you, she would have said something. Right. So it does become frustrating when you're trying to find the logic in why the character wouldn't do that.
1: Yeah. And, and thinking like, Oh, okay. Well this, you know, sub, uh, atomic, you know, world that, that she was in, it's like there, she's never going to go back there. So she can just kind of, you know, it was, it was just a bad memory, a, a nightmare, and sure. that's it. But then, like, when they're back in the setting, it's like, I can't tell you what's going on, but we have to get out of here, you know, right away, or or things are going to get worse, and I don't want this person to find me, blah, blah, blah. And you're just saying to yourself, why don't you just be honest with your family at this point? I mean, you're in this predicament. And then splitting up the Van Dynes and, you know, the Langs kind of defeats the purpose of the family bonding. And you can argue, I guess, like, oh, you need – time between Scott and and Cassie in order for them to maybe reconnect or or figure out sort of their relationship but again like it the, the whole sort of prologue of this movie when they're having dinner when they you know blow up this mini pizza is that they've become a blended family and like that's something where it's like okay this works in a certain way because you know it's just actors Having a conversation with each other, and it's just dialogue, and it's just you know, it's 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 very sitcommy, but at least you're having these moments where these characters are talking to each other, and they're just speaking about mundane things and relating to one another in in, in that way. And then you know, when you're thrown into this world that is you know beyond reality and very abstract and it doesn't feel that way it just feels like a carbon copy of star wars flash gordon everything in between you know like guardians of the galaxy everything that we've seen in the last you know couple of decades but even in the you know the the late 70s early 80s with kind of the psychedelic elements there's nothing original there it just kind of feels like you're watching this weird hybrid or sort of um mess of of all these other influences kind of being thrown into a ball. And while you're watching it, you're thinking to yourself, you know what, even though Eternals isn't a great movie, but at least, you know, Chloe Zhao tried to kind of, you know, break outside of of shooting just simply in, you know, a, 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 on a soundstage and, and you know, and, and trying to kind of create an environment that was like, okay, this is taking place in the real world. And when you're watching this, you just kind of feel like, okay, it's it's fine for what it is, but it becomes repetitive after a while. And you feel like you've seen this same kind of muddy, bleak looking world for, you know, an hour and a half by the time you get to that, you know, that point. And then you just, you are like, I need something new. I need something to you know differentiate the 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 excitement and play within the world and be fun or I- entertaining and tonally when you're watching this you're thinking to yourself okay part of you is, is thinking like this is this is an entertainment this is supposed to be a blockbuster this is supposed to be a movie that's geared towards both you know fans of the comic book movies but also families to a certain extent and then when it takes darker turns or moments that kind of feel um, more imposing on Ant-Man and and the onus of him being a hero because he hasn't really done that individually. You know, we've seen him kind of almost, you know, fly by the seat of his pants for the most part and be a good kind of supporting character. Like the Hulk is when he's in the Avengers. But then when, you know, he's called upon to kind of really <clears throat> take charge, it feels as though you're walking into territory where it's like, well, we have to make this darker and heavier and almost mean-spirited to the point where it's it's unpleasant to watch. Um, and and with all of that, you're just thinking to yourself, why, why is this movie so tonally awkward? Like, even Jonathan Majors, who was really good in that one scene in Loki, kind of feels like that version of Loki would have been better suited for this movie. And the version of Kang that's in this film would have been better for Loki because of how hammy... And over the top and Shakespearean, you know, caricature wise, he is. And you're just watching the film and you're thinking to yourself, okay, this scene was kind of okay, or this character moment was fine. But then as soon as that's over and we move to the next thing, you're kind of bored by the exposition dump that we need from, (laughs) you know, this character or a moment of Ant-Man realizing that his daughter not only is a chip off the old block, but she's also somebody that has you know the potential to become you know the the next version of ant-man and 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 she is someone that is rebellious but also scientific and has heart and you just it just it just goes through the predictable probability of who the character is and it doesn't do anything new or interesting or even entertaining at all and you just keep thinking about the ant-man character and the franchise, this trilogy of movies, you mentioned it, you know, like having problems with, you know, Marvel in the 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 Avengers Age of Ultron period, where it's also funny thinking about that because Ultron was the thing that Ant Man in the comic books that yeah. had him run was best known for, right? And so that you're thinking about like, okay, well, Ant-Man in phase two was brought up at the end of of, of phase two and kind of felt like inconsequential to the rest of that phase and then ant-man and the wasp you know comes after avengers infinity war
0: infinity war it and it's like okay like a... well,
1: well we want to get back to end game but then you have you know ant-man and the wasp and captain marvel you know in between end game and, and, and infinity war and M- captain marvel makes more sense because of the continuity or how that sort of post credit scene kind of plays out in Infinity War so it's like okay like yeah we have to kind of establish Captain Marvel but the Ant-Man and the Wasp movie doesn't do anything to kind of move forward the story other than you could argue the Quantum Realm but the Quantum Realm was already kind of at least introduced to a certain degree in the first Ant-Man movie you don't necessarily need another Ant-Man film to further explain the Quantum Realm you can just have it as kind of like there and um And then with this one, like it's beginning a new phase and it kind of feels like when you're watching it, it's like, why, why was this movie? Why was Ant-Man yeah. the film to bring, you know, in the, you need, you need something to, I guess.
0: You? And I guess they established the time travel stuff in end game. And that was the big setup of where the next, you know, phase or, or, or. Uh, saga was going to kick off right so and they use the quantum realm to time travel into end game so i understand having kang set up as the big bad for the multiverse saga that you might want to incorporate kang's backstory or one of the kang's like um uh, one of his variants in in the quantum realm and ant-man makes sense for that it just feels like with all of these ant-man movies like you said they just feel like they come out at weird times and they only serve as to set something else up right like they don't stand on their own as being solid superhero movies some people might argue that that's just my opinion um and there are redeeming moments i think in all three of these movies i think paul Rudd is good casting i think there are some funny bits i um you know, I, I like the dynamic of the whole cast. Um, you know, I like Michael Douglas. I love Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, in this film, I even think Catherine Newton does a, a pretty okay job with what she's given as, as coming in as a Cassie Lang, who's now going to be kind of this more, you know, part of the young Avengers, maybe being this younger, you know, Ant Man or Wasp character kind of thing. But yeah, they just like this whole movie to me is just like, okay, Kang's the bad guy. For the multiverse saga, here's who Kang is. (laughs) Like, did we need a whole movie for that? And you're like, and we needed to show the quantum realm because of you know time travel and variants and and different universes and things like that, which we've set up in Loki and you know Wandavision and other things like that too. But um, yeah, it it just it weirdly feels just like this long prologue. And doesn't stand on its own of being like, okay, an Ant Man movie. And I even think that, like, there are certain things that they've tried to kind of have as through lines in all three of these movies, you know, re, uh, you know Scott's relationship with his daughter, um, you know, being the little guy and the guy that no one takes seriously and wanting to kind of do, you know, show that he actually is a hero kind of thing. Like, there are certain things that, that I like. It's just. You know, the execution of it all is just, like I said, very messy. It just feels like you threw a million things in a blender. You know, you introduce one, two, three, four, you know, B or C characters in this movie from the quantum realm played by David Dasmalkian who comes back, but he's doing a voice. He's not playing Kurt. He's doing a voice (laughs) of a, of a goo man. Um, You know, William Jackson Harper's in there. Katie O'Brien, you have Bill Murray. And then on top of that, you have Jonathan majors as Kang, who we did get that one scene as he who remains, but you're still setting him up. So there's like five characters on top of the ensemble cast of Michael Douglas, Catherine Newton, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Paul Rudd that you all have to try to give time to and then you all have all, all of these characters split up and then on top of that you have int- the introduction of Modoc, which isn't a spoiler it was in the trailers um, so there's a sixth character you're kind of introducing and how that ties into everything which we won't get into that because that gets into spoilery territory but like um, it's just like I they throw so much yet nothing into this movie and I think that's my biggest frustration is like do we do we care about any of those characters that I just mentioned? No. Other than like the, the main ensemble, which they do well, focus and on. And also that like they the, the actors that
1: they're playing, right? Yeah. Like you you know yeah. who you know William Jackson Harper is if you've watched The Good yeah. Place or you know Midsommar. Great actor.
0: I people have wanted him as, you know, you know uh Reed Richards at one point and stuff like that. I love William Jackson Harper, but he's not, not given anything in this movie. He seems to have <laughs> a weird Murray's- thing with
1: with weird-looking aliens because he was also a yeah. landscape uh uh, with uh, invisible hand, oh, invis- which also yeah. has the 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 vuv in that. So,
0: mm-hmm. and Davis das Mulkey and I think is is it's cool that they bring him back in a different role, and I like his character. It's probably the the funniest weirdest thing. Although that's I alluded to earlier, one of the bits that gets old very quickly, and they just go back to it over and over and over again. Funny at first, but once you drive it into the ground in a movie that feels weirdly tonally awkward because some moments are very serious and some. Are played as a sitcom. It's just like that stuff, it's a it's a fine line. And we've talked about it on other reviews. Like it, it's hard to do both, right? And it's hard to kind of make that all work together. And I don't think Peyton Reed and, and Jeff Loveness like do a great job at balancing those tones. Like Ant-Man's always been a comedic-leaning character, and it's kind of worked, like you said, in in the real world. But when you get into this thing where the stakes are serious but they're trying to play it up that they're very serious yet you don't really believe that they're very serious it's just like and then it has these dark tones these violent undertones these like Serious things that happen. I wish you just picked one or another. If you wanted to do a completely different Ant Man movie um, where you're setting it in a completely different location, you're, you, you know, just you want a more serious tone because you're setting up this imposing villain, then commit to that. You can have Paul Rudd try to make jokes here and there, but then maybe don't have the other characters do that too, where you have like a big climactic moment from a huge character in this movie that's played off as a as a bit or as a joke, and it just doesn't play very well at all. Like it's just that stuff over and over again. And then you have Ant-Man getting his fucking teeth kicked in the next scene, and you're or just cutting like, of that, okay, it's right? Like
1: the the, the inner cutting of, of that sequence that you're talking about, where it's like, yeah, you have this very serious moment, but then you're cutting back to other characters almost being like, you know, swashbuckling and adventurous and having quippy one-liners and And it just doesn't match what is going on in sort of the more dramatic sequences. And the film, it's, it's always teasing you. It's always saying, Oh, like, this is the thing that you think is going to happen. It's happening. And then it pulls back and it's like, ah, we're not going to do that. (laughs) And, and it, again, it's so frustrating with what it, you know, decides to do, and what it's also presenting. And, and, you know, you just mentioned screenwriter, Jeff Loveness. I think maybe that's one of the few interesting aspects of this movie is that there's only one credited writer where a lot of these films, you know, when you see the end credits, you'll see, you know, story by this person, this person, this person, and screenplay by, you know, five or six people. We made that joke with, um, Spider-Man Homecoming, where that first movie was written by like seven people. Uh, But yet that still kind of cohesively came together. But there's always that fear of too many cooks in the kitchen where with this, you know, you only have one credited writer, but I'm sure, you know, like there were you know, uncredited rewrites or a script doctor, or even Peyton Reed changed things as they were making the movie. Um, Or even like a writer's room with some of
0: that, you know, Marvel kind of, uh, you know, group of people that have been working on the
1: multiverse saga. Yeah. And I, I think, I do think Catherine Newton is probably the best in show here. I liked her even more than Jonathan Majors. I think Majors again is inconsistent because there are moments where he is threatening, and then there are other times where he's kind of goofy in that mm-hmm. Lawrence Olivier, Peter O'Toole, you know, Shakespeare in the Park kind of way where it's 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 so over the top. It doesn't really fit the tone, even though, again, Ant-Man has always been associated with comedy and even like the idea of the heist movie and how that plays out kind of feels like it's shoehorned in to this film it's like oh yeah ant-man you know is best known as being a thief and even just looking at the cinematographers who have worked on this movie you know in the past you've had people like you know bill pope with this one who you know shot the first matrix movie and the first spider-man film and then you know you have someone like russell carpenter you know who's worked on you know the avatar movies and then you know dante uh spinotti who is Michael Mann's regular cinematographer. I mean, the guy shot freaking Heat, and then, you know, like it's one of the <laughs> best looking movies ever made. And then you look at the first Ant Man film, and you're like, okay, you know what? Maybe there's a a, a, a palette or, or or um, you know, template in in place for a lot of these films, and 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 the cinematographers or the directors who are hired kind of come and do their thing and keep the 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 assembly line rolling, but don't really do anything more than that and you're just watching this movie and again there is so much going on and so much setup for what is probably going to have some payoff later on but it also kind of concludes in a way that 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 does feel like it's almost inconsequential to everything that 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 it is setting up it's 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 almost trying to be both you know a precursor and also kind of satisfying in it's, it's sort of wraparound of this story and neither one works and you just sit there and you watch this thing. And again, like after a while, you just get sick of seeing this kind of visual muddy, you know, orangey, brown, gooey kind of look to this whole film and it just it it's so artificial and that artifice just takes you out of the movie to the point where you're just sitting there waiting for it to end or waiting for the thing that I you know the 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 biggest criticism I've always had with Marvel movies is that you know they're 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 not thinking about the the one movie that they're making. They're always thinking about, okay, how is this film going to affect yeah. the next movie or how is this going to affect the next Avengers film? And when you're watching this, you're just thinking to yourself, you know i want more of that and i don't normally ask for that but it's like at least that's something at least you can throw something yeah. at me that's like oh this is something that will kind of stimulate my mind for a couple of minutes but again you're just watching this film and you're and you're thinking to yourself okay ant-man being the hero of a more somber serious piece that's also about family that's also about vulnerability it it never comes together in a way that feels wholly satisfying or that you want to continue with Scott Lang and, you know, this storyline, I think, you know, like the Hulk, like some of these other characters within the MCU, they're better as supporting players and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that, you know, you look at that the 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 Angley Hulk movie and then the Louis Leterrier film and you're kind of like okay well those Hulk films didn't work you know MCU or non MCU and then when he's in the first Avengers film it's like man this is like the best use of this character in this entire or in Ragnarok right or yeah like... and that's yeah. kind of I think almost you need somebody to be kind of a, a co lead with Scott I think you almost need another avenger character and evangeline
0: lily ain't it we haven't even mentioned i know at all. the
1: funniest <laughs> thing about this entire the only time i laughed in this whole movie is the is the prologue and it's in the trailer so when she's doing good for humanity for, <laughs> for science specifically <laughs> yeah. and i'm just thinking about well like all the stuff that she said about you know truckers and convoys and vaccines and then you have yeah you know this this character promoting science and and innovation and you know bettering the world I laughed. It just adds to that I
0: disingenuous was, kind of yeah. nature of the whole thing or this kind of like artificial nature that you just brought up. Right. Like that takes you right out of it even. Yeah. And, you know, I think the wasp characters never done anything for me. And um, even, I don't know, like, yeah, her and Scott together. Like, I don't see much chemistry there. And like, it's, it, I, it's, they separate them for most of the movie too. Right. Like you mentioned, yeah. but um there's more chemistry between hank and
1: his aunts there's more romantic chemistry there (laughs)
0: and that's kind of goes back to the script that i just like i I like jeff loveness because i liked his stuff on rick and morty and but yeah it has me a little bit worried because he is writing kang dynasty and like which makes sense because he wrote this movie and with this character being such a big part of it but um just a lot of the times in the script, I just felt like it took lazy outs in everything, right? Like it it threw so so much in there that, yes, it set up some of the things that come back in the final act, which most movies do, but you kind of have to give me a little bit more. Like you can't just use that as like a, a scapegoat to get out of where you wrote yourself in a corner or you don't know how to interestingly get out of a predicament or something like that. Like I just find, and you just use quantum theory and and faux science to kind of you know it goes over your your audience's heads or you're making it up because it's art of, it's fake science that you just can use that as a an out right you just go well science <laughs> and then you go well <laughs> it's just like okay and like i get it when tony stark's creating you know, the that whatever that loop was called for time travel, because I don't know, I believe that character and and you kind of showed me him working on it and, and and stuff like that, where if you just go science and and then go, well, the quantum realm doesn't work like the real world, one day could be five years or a century or or something like that. And you're just like Okay, I guess like that's how you're going to get out of this and and we're not spoiling anything because there's many different ways that, you know, where the climax of the movie handles it and I just feel like each one felt just weirdly again not thought through enough. Like it just was like okay, here's what it is. It showed not told, I guess, but like and I need a little bit more of an explanation in a lot of these or give me a reason to kind of go, Oh, that makes sense rather than, Oh, that happened. Right? Like, I think that's our main statement throughout this whole thing. Things just happened in this movie. Never once was I like, this is awful, but never once was I like, this is interesting. I kind of just was like, there are a few things here and there where I'm like, Oh, I really like this really like that. But like I laughed or something like that, or I was having an okay time. But like at the end of it, you're just like, oh, okay.
1: And that shouldn't <laughs> be
0: the case of like to kick off a brand new villain that's supposed to be as threatening as Thanos, a brand new phase of the MCU that's supposed to kick it in the thing. And it just it, ultimately what I said before just ends up being a little disappointing, both for huge fans of the MCU and people who just want a fun
1: superhero movie right (laughs) like yeah just just be clever or inventive i mean we've talked about this i think with the ant-man movies as well like i think if it just was having more fun with not only the dynamic of the characters but maybe being a little bit more inventive with some of the set pieces are playing up
0: and the tech right like with pin particles and like yeah, you said what it, they do in the first movie quite a bit with the thomas the train engine sequence and like that kind of stuff i feel like works a lot better than anything in this movie
1: absolutely and and that's the thing where like it, a lot of that gets lost because you're in a world that is predominantly where things
0: are gigantic or
1: well, and just cgi right because everything yeah. like the the, the rea- you're the, the sense of reality is completely gone and you're watching, you know, characters interact mostly with other CGI characters or people that are, you know, caked in makeup. And so you're, you're, you're basically divorced from reality at that point. And, and, you know, you're in a familiar, you're not in a familiar world where, you know, when you're watching Scott Lang, you know, protect Cassie as a child in her bedroom You know, you're familiar with the vulnerability of being a kid and, you know, a creature or monster, that thing that the boogeyman that you're afraid of coming to life in a weird way and sort of using the things around you in your environment that, again, you know, a lot of things that kids grow up with, like, a you know, a toy train set or, you know, teddy bears or things like that, or just, you know, even Ant Man going into you know a, a, a vent in into a, a building and and obviously playing up the the Avengers angle with with you know Falcon and and that like it just kind of like there's there's yeah. more not of a not a groundedness but there's just something that it's like okay we we we. See the mundanity of the world that Scott lives in, and that's what makes it. And if you have these the everyman, powers, how that, yeah, exactly. And you know, even
0: that shot of Yellow Jacket in Cassie's room in that first movie is more menacing, I feel like, than anything that <laughs> happened. I never thought I'd give a shout out to Yellow Jacket. He's um, one of the weakest villains
1: like, in the entire MCU, but at least the environment and the the, the setting,
0: the stakes, you know, the personal stakes there feel more threatening then we can't let this guy out which is basically what this movie says but they never do enough other than that scene in loki and some very brief kind of moments in this backstory in this movie to say oh they just tell you they go he's a bad guy we can't let him out and you go okay but you kind of have to do more than that and then to have the stakes of going okay why though like why is he set like what is he going to do and they never really get to that point, other than just going, he's pretty bad. You don't wanna, you don't wanna fuck around with this guy. And you're like, really? That's all you're gonna show me? It's like, um, and just I'm supposed to trust you. Hey guys, we're making a movie with this guy in the title, so just trust me. He's a bad dude. We don't want him to get out. And yeah. you're like, okay. <laughs> Like I, I need a little bit more than that, and then it's that's like what the, it's been, of the the movie. The, the movie's
1: basically mind. like Janet. The, the the film is like Janet, where it's not going to tell you anything, but it's just like you have to know that this is a horrible situation that we're in. It's like, well, why? What? What you, would tell, do? you. Can't oh, tell you?
0: I tell you. He's killed timelines. Blah 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 blah. And you're like, okay, okay, yeah, I get it. Okay, Thanos was only killing half the universe of this timeline. This guy kills entire timelines. So imagine you know, the, the whole universe and all the people on earth and everyone. And then it just, I don't know, it's getting almost too, especially I can, I can only imagine people who only jump into the movies and don't watch all the TV shows and, and don't, you know, multiverse stuff, which they've slowly tried to explain to a modern, you know, everyday audience what it is, but like to just try to keep going down this road and trying to explain people that like, Oh, like, the importance of it. Like when you start to say like, Oh, there are an infinite amount of you. Um, and he might kill, you know, 30 universes, but it's just like, we've been following one timeline. I'm going to, it's going to be interesting in the end. It's the same as Thanos where we really only care about the one timeline because it's the timeline we followed. So it's like getting an audience's head around like, well, if they start purging other timelines, for you to care about those timelines and I and maybe they're going to do that in secret wars bringing in timelines that we know from other movies and that's what the big event's going to be to win everyone over. I get that and it's going to work. Um but nicholas Cage's Ghost Rider's back. <laughs> don't we don't want that universe to go. <laughs> i'm Like uh so I don't know man, I'm just like it's I don't know. That's I think how I I felt after this. Like uh we won't talk spoilers. We'll be doing a spoiler cast in about 10 days a week and a half or so. What's the official date we can post the 24th. I forget Eric, the 24th. 24th. So we'll have a spoiler cast on the 24th um, for you guys, where we talk about more in detail without tiptoeing around some of these things, but or um, MoDoc, we'll
1: talk about more (laughs) MoDoc. Yeah.
0: More about MoDoc. We'll talk about the post-credit scenes, but even just to like not tell you anything about the post-credit scenes, even those didn't have me going, Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait for what's next. Like it made me go, Oh God, I don't know. I don't know yeah. about this. And like, that shouldn't be my thought after that. Right. Like, you know, even the little shot of Thanos of go like, I'll do it myself or like with the infinity gauntlet, we kind of understood what the infinity stones were doing at that point. And like that the infinity stones of being that through line in all the movies. And it felt very easy to follow. Right. Okay. Get all the stones. He can kill everyone. It was simple. Right. Yeah. And then like you go, okay, we can't let this guy get the fucking stones. Cause he's going to kill everyone. Where at the end of this. You go, what are they doing? <laughs> You're like, I, I like, I, and I shouldn't go, Ooh, I don't know about that choice. And then like in the, in the post credit scenes, um, and this is coming from someone who loves this shit, guys. So, like, I'm I'm skeptical but hopeful that they'll win me back. I'm not completely gone. I'm still very excited for a lot of the the shows. And we've only – it's so hard with this stuff because of what Eric mentioned. If it's so episodic or it's so all tied together now that you almost can't miss any of it or you'll be lost at some point um, where – And you don't have the full picture. So for me to go, this doesn't work as an Ant Man movie or like, or just a singular movie. um, It's like, okay, but does it work as a piece of the puzzle? And that's harder to answer until you get the full puzzle. And until you get the end of, you know, the whole thing, maybe this movie works better once we have the full story. But then that's in the moment. It's like our Dune One review, right? You're yeah. like, I can't say it's a good movie at this point because I'm like, maybe if I revisit it, but that shouldn't be the case, right? Like for me to go back and go, you know what, I like Age of Ultron now. I think it's actually, you know, good. Uh, because I've gone back and re-watched it with the context of WandaVision and the rest of the story and where that character goes and where this goes and that stuff. So you can go back and reevaluate a movie once you have the full picture. Um but that movie should also, at the time of release, still work as a movie, right? And well, that's, that's the I most guess, frustrating t- thing, though, yeah. right?
1: Like that, like the idea of that—you're—you're—you're you're, you're watching this film and you're thinking to yourself—you—you know, you, you mentioned Dune. We talked a lot about that with with Dune Part One, where the point of a film is to tell a story from beginning, middle, and end, and then at the end, it's it's over, and it's it's a full experience. These movies—it might the most- set
0: up things in the future, but it but should tell the- a. Yeah, but for the most part, they don't
1: anymore, especially now they don't, where it's like you have to judge them two ways. You have to judge them by the individual you know, piece. And then also, okay, you know, where does this fit within the tapestry of what Marvel is creating within the saga? But then again, the other thing that is so frustrating with all of this, and I'll talk more about it on the regular show, because I rewatched Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and what that movie does so well. And I think the live action Marvel movies are kind of missing the boat. Even the, some of the good ones is that that film Understood that it was about character first, and the motivations yeah. of the character helped move the plot along and helped move the story along. And you understood agree, yeah. the values and the stakes and what was sort of you know Miles's you know uh, sort of main goal to becoming Spider Man and fulfilling his journey within this one storyline. And with a lot of these live action Marvel movies, they always put plot before character. You know, they'll introduce a, 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 an array of characters, but the plot itself is all about exposition and setup and more setup and setup and then a little bit of payoff or a little bit of foreshadowing for something else. And if it was more about the characters and less about the plot, I think that would make these movies a little bit more engaging with audiences that are skeptical when it comes to the franchise as a whole. And I, I think that's also why something like guardians of the galaxy is so popular across all demographics is because gun, especially with the first movie, you know, put the characters at the forefront. It was about the characters, sort of, you know, their engagement with each other and trying to work things out and figure out their path as a team than just simply saying, okay, well, we have to beat, you know, again, a really kind of subpar villain in, in Ronan. But, you know, like, this was something where it's like, okay, it's it's about the characters. It's not about the plot and it's not about giving you this convoluted exposition the about MacGuffin the science or, or the, the world whatever. building yeah. or things like that. It's, it's about these individuals and I just wish I there was completely. more of that in these movies and there's not. And that's something again, Spider they've done the- a good job. Spider-Verse. With- it's amazing.
0: Yes, yeah, Spider-Verse is incredible. It's the best superhero movie ever made. I'll say that. And I rewatched yep. it recently too. Um and I agree with you a hundred percent. I think the MCU has in the past done a good job with character. I think um you know character dynamics, relationships, you know, they made people give a shit about Iron Man, Captain America, that lead group of Avengers into Endgame, Black Panther, things like that. But if you look at the best ones, I think it, it's when they do focus on character and they've kind of lost that a little bit. Not saying that they were ever amazing at it, but they did a good enough job to make us give a shit about those characters. And that's why I loved the MCU is individual characters Uh, How characters are interacting with each other, whether it's Captain America and Tony Stark and their dynamic, whether it's, you know, uh, Thor and Hulk and, and Ragnarok and those team ups and those partnerships and things like that, like, and you do find even the Thor character, like what with his family and his relationship with Loki and Odin and his mother and like all that kind of stuff is the heart of those stories. And that's what's missing in a lot of these movies and the recent ones is that heart is that character. And they, they are so focused on going, do people understand the multiverse? Do people, you know, this kind of stuff, like, do we need to kind of overexplain, drop that exposition um, focus on how we're getting Kang set up all this kind of stuff where you do lose that character and that heart, you know, even the, some of the, the best TV shows from Marvel that we liked have focused on character. Like I think She Hulk does a great job with that. Miss Marvel does a great job with that. Um so you know they still they do have it in them. I think it just it, how you I don't know if it necessarily needs to be fixed, but how I would do it to end this whole review is like step back, do less. Less is more. I think they're over. I think Kevin Feige, I love the guy. I think he's a genius. I think he's done an incredible job. I hope he keeps this job forever. But I think he needs to kind of step back and go, maybe I shouldn't be on 10 projects a year. (laughs) And like, maybe we shouldn't be doing 10 projects a year. And, you know, we've heard with, you know, Bob Iger coming back and some of the Disney stuff that like. They might be starting to kind of do less and, and realize less is more, and I think that's how you kind of really focus on a couple great movies a year and a couple great TV shows a year, and not have to do seven or eight or nine, however many they've been doing, right? And, and if and they really want focus to. on,
1: yeah, no, if they want to, though, like I, I still think they can do. Like if, cause again, like it's all about having as many series as possible, but I, I think like if they want to keep doing that, they can, but do it as werewolf by night where it's a half an hour, you know, format, yeah. and you're in and, and out put
0: all of it into that. Right. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to spread yourself thin. Spreading yourself thin is what I'm, I'm saying. And I'm not saying that that's what's happening. Cause I don't know. We don't work on those teams like they might have enough they scale up and you have enough people working on all of them but we've even heard stories from you know special effects houses and all this stuff is just like if you want like even it's a whole other conversation we'll get into in the main show when we talk about the flash trailer. But like for me, it's like that movie sitting for three years might be a good thing because they were able to maybe take a look at that movie and work on the special effects and hone them in. And, and 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 like, I just think taking a little bit more time on all of these things is probably a good thing. And, and, you know, it's been quite some time since the last ant man movie, but I feel like, a lot of these people working on these are working on the other ones. Kevin Feige is a producer. Um, you know, Some of the writers jumping around and working on other movies and helping each other out and characters popping up in different movies and things like that, which they haven't done, I guess, a ton of. But I don't know. Just less is more. And that's what we said about Star Wars, and I feel like we're starting to figure that out again maybe a little bit. But um, you want it to feel special still as well when that Marvel Studios logo pops up, and I don't think you get that anymore really um and i'd be fine with just taking a step back and going like let's just focus on a couple things and maybe not need as much as we're doing, I don't know that, but who the hell knows? But yeah,
1: and I we'll think see. Marvel can adapt and change because I think one of the big conversations that they had early on in in the first couple of phases was you know the the, the weak villains, you know it, that that conversation about yeah the relatability the of villains
0: of, and stuff like that too yeah, yeah.
1: Of, of finding a villain that had contrast to the hero, but at the same time you could understand where they were coming from, and that seemed to change or get better. As we got into Phase Three, you know, I think both Michael Keaton's Vulture and 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 Michael B. Jordan's Eric Killmonger are incredibly, you know, complicated individuals and have really um, interesting points that don't completely, you know, feel like they're just you know people trying to take over the world or like they make good points about why they're doing what they're doing, even though they're corrupt and they're doing it for the ultimately for the wrong reasons about how, how they're going about it. Thanos,
0: Right. Like you kind of understand where homies coming from, even though like it's not, and that's the best Marvel movies have the best villains who have the best motivations. And that goes back to your original point of character, right? Like it's just even Kang in this is like, all right, you do not really give us enough there to say, Oh, I understand why this, but there will be more. <laughs> I know. So that's the thing. I'm I've talked myself out of giving this a soft pass. I'm going to give it uh 2.5 out of five. Um, I could go up to a three, maybe on being, being softer on it because I just like Marvel movies and things like that, but I am pretty disappointed in it. So I'm going to go 2.5 um putting it in that category with some of the 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 stuff I haven't loved uh like Eternals of Recent Memory and, and stuff like that where it is kind of a a little bit of a misfire so a 2.5 out of 5 for me
1: I'm going to give it a 2 out of 5 this is bottom of the barrel uh for me this is like right next to uh Thor the Dark World and the Incredible Hulk um I think that there's almost nothing going on that's either Um, captivating or compelling during your watch or just enjoyable. It's just a complete um, slog of a movie. And while you're watching it, you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, this moment was fine, but then this moment doesn't really fit with what came before. And it's just so jarring throughout the entire film that you begin to question everything about the film and pick it apart to the point where you're not supposed to pick these movies apart. You're supposed to kind of enjoy them for what they are, you know, mm-hmm. and and some I'm not saying that all comic book movies can't have intelligence or, you know, be thoughtful or, or or contemplative in in their narratives or their characters. But, you know, a movie like this, you come to it for the spectacle and the entertainment. And again, if you World like building, the character all that kind of stuff, yeah. All of that is completely removed from this movie. It just feels like you're watching the machinery of, you know, the industry and, you know, Marvel Studios kind of like, oh, well, this is an obligation to make this movie because, you know, we're, we're setting the groundwork up potentially for, you know, more films down the line. And moving forward, I think the best thing they can do is... You know, continue to have Ant Man, but maybe not have a series. It just feels like, again, like maybe one Ant Man movie would have been fine or an Ant Man show, but continuing this character's, you know, film legacy feels like it it is a little bit strained at this point.
0: Agreed with you. Um, We'll see. We'll be doing a spoiler cast on the 24th, um, as Eric mentioned, where we'll get into some more of the details. Sorry, we always have to kind of tiptoe around uh, certain things in this review. Um, But yeah, uh, lastly, I think with a lot of MCU fans and I was talking to Tim Geddes from Kind of Funny about this and it was like, you know, a barometer for how much we enjoyed these movies is do I want to go see this again? And most Marvel movies, I I go, you know, immediately go, I want to take my wife to it or I want to go see it with my mom or something like that because she's a big MCU person. This is in that case of going, nope, I don't. I don't want (laughs) to go back and watch it again. So that's always, I think, and most of them I do. Like I saw Wakanda Forever a few times, I saw Shang-Chi a few times. Like most Marvel movies that I really, really enjoy. I go to see more than once in a theater and I and I know from when the credits hit I immediately go do I want to sit in a theater and watch that again and I think that's a good you know barometer again of how I felt about the movie especially a Marvel movie and after this one I go I do not want to sit through that again and like, it, it's one of those movies that I think when I ultimately get to it again on a MCU rewatch, which I did start doing again this year uh, in chronological order, but I've only gotten through Captain America and Captain Marvel. Um, I, I, it might be on one of those. I think I ultimately will watch it again when I get there because of the Kang stuff. And the closer we get to Kang dynasty and, and things like that, like, I probably will just for the setup of things or Loki season two and and stuff like that. But um, I, it's with like Eternals now and Dark World and the first Hulk movie. Like I'm I'm at Incredible Hulk I guess in my chronological watch or I watched Iron Man and then now it's Hulk. Uh, I think you watch Iron Man one and two before Hulk. I forget how the order goes in chronological order, but I'm like. know if i want to watch this so anyways that's how i kind of feel like it's just like this is not a movie i will be going to see again in theaters and when it's ultimately on disney plus maybe in my rewatch i'll give it another shot right like here's the thing like with the multiverse of madness i think i did i see that twice I th- I don't know if I did, but I'm in. I do want to watch it again. <laughs> That's the thing. Like even with its messiness, like I am intrigued to watch it again at home when I ultimately get there. Where right. I-, I just didn't have those feelings here. So um, anyway, uh, thank you all for listening or watching. We really, really do appreciate it. Uh, please go check out our other shows. We have a show called Untitled Movie Podcast, uh, where Eric and I just get together and shoot the shit about the entertainment industry uh recent our newest episode we'll be talking about the ant-man and the wasp Quantumania press conference a little bit of a sundance recap um i also just got back from a family trip to orlando where we went to walt disney world as well as universal studios um so that might be on a separate episode we might split that up but All of those topics will be discussed. Uh, Super Bowl trailers, so there's a lot to kind of catch up with uh, over the last couple weeks where I've been gone. So uh, keep it locked over on Untitled Movie Podcast where you'll get all of that stuff um and then we also have another show called the cast of us which we would love for you guys to check out where eric and i break down the newest episode of hbo's the last of us uh episode five endure and survive um should be up for you guys as uh this is up as well uh we're a little late on that one because they threw me for a loop and released it early while i was on vacation and eric and i didn't pre-record it because we thought we had the timing down, but we obviously didn't. Anyways, episode five, endure and survive, you guys can go check out. Uh Eric and I sh- uh that should be up very, very soon. And then we'll have episode six up at a regular time Sundays, uh, ten PM Eastern, uh, right after the episode airs. So apologies, we're a little bit late on that one.
1: And also I just want to thank um, you for for giving me a break though, because my voice at that point was almost gone. And so that was part of it as yeah. well, where I, I just I I like you you'd get nothing out of me. <laughs> so, so thank you.
0: Um, yeah, I, um, yeah, no worries, dude. Like it's always health is more important. Family's more important, all this kind of stuff. So it's just timing wise. We were going to record, didn't work out, but episode five, we're going to record right now. So that should be up for you guys as this is up as well. Um, cool. As always, my name is Matt Roarbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, mostly at untitled And you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Roarbeck.
1: And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash Cinemascene and on all the social networks at EM6211.
0: Until next time.
1: I really wish Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania was a part of Phase 4, which would have been a nice reference to Sal Bass's movie Phase 4, which is about a dystopian future where ants and people are basically competing against each other for the dominance of what's left of society. It's a good movie.
0: Bye everyone. (laughs)